Well, welcome everyone to Family Money Coaching, where we prepare couples financially for adoption and fertility. And I want to welcome our guest today, Wendy Mays. And Wendy um, is an adoptive mom. She is a mom of six. And I want to welcome her on to our show today. Thank you, Wendy, for coming. Oh, you're welcome. I am so excited to talk to you today. So tell us, Wendy, a little bit about your adoption story. Oh, gosh. Like, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> so you have six. How yeah. many of them are adoptive and how many of them are biological? So um, four of them are adopted and okay. two biological. And that was never our plan. Um, okay. Never. Um, when we got married, that was never in our vision for what our family was going to look like. It was just not really anything that we had talked about. Growing up, it was something that I had wanted. Um, and it was something that my mom and dad had talked about like forever. And we just never did it. You know, we, we even drew little plans for our house to where we would add a bedroom for our adopted brother. I mean, That's we really, awesome. really thought about it, but it's something that never happened. Um, but so I would say, gosh, my son is, my oldest son is 16 now. I would say right about the time when he was maybe six or seven, we just started, well, I did, not my husband. <laughs> I started really wanting to add to our family through adoption. Um, in my line of work, um, I'm a criminal defense attorney and have been for about 16 years. And so, you know, I saw kids whose parents were going away and seeing seeing what that 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 did to kids and um so i just really had a tug on my heart to add to our family from and um and it's something i talked about with my husband but he was just not on board at all he was a special education teacher and at the time he was dealing with um kids with behavioral problems um and so his viewpoint was i'm not taking on someone else's problem Right. And so he's like, hell no, we're just not doing it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it was just a conversation we would come back to every now and then. It just never happened. But I, then I really think that um, God put people in our lives um, mm -hmm. that helped get him on board. It, it was all at once. There were three different families that had all um, fostered. And they were all people that my husband had contact with. I didn't have contact with. And so it was, I can, I can remember where I was sitting. I was sitting in my home office and all of a sudden he just walks up behind me and he's like, let's do it. And I got online like right then and mm -hmm. <laughs> um, started looking up, you know, what would it take to adopt and adopt from foster care? And we got signed up for the classes and mm -hmm. gosh, that was about... That was in, in September. I know it wasn't, um, it, I knew it was in September because it's during football season. It was right when football started. Yeah. And the cool thing is that what we envisioned was that our son was about six at the time. And so what we envisioned was we would get a little boy that was around the same age as my mm -hmm. son. And they would be best friends and he'd have a playmate. And my <laughs> daughter's older. She's almost six years older than him. So he, he really was like an only child for a little uh -huh, while. Uh -huh. You know, off doing her own thing. And she really didn't care for him very much. You know? She didn't want a little brother. She wanted to be an only child. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, by then she was on board with the plan. And so here's another cool um, part of our story. So at the time we were in a, in a Bible study group with our church and mm -hmm. there was another couple that were very close to us, um, almost, you know, family. 
and we didn't tell anybody about our decision. It was something that we had just kept to ourselves. We wanted to kind of let the process happen. Yeah. Um, and so one day we were at our home team and um, our friend makes an announcement and a prayer request that they were getting ready to start adoption classes and adopt through foster care. Yeah. And it was, it was just so neat because my husband and I kind of just looked at our ch- each other and we didn't want to steal her thunder, you know, uh-huh, Sure. but we pulled her aside afterwards and let her know that we had arrived at the same decision. And so we, um, we ended up taking the classes together with these friends of ours that were like family. And mm-hmm. so we both went through that process together and it's so nice not to be alone getting, Oh yeah. Yeah. And it was such, um, the process of getting licensed to, um, foster adopt was something I never expected. I never expected that I would enjoy it so much. You know, I, I don't know what I expected, but you know, there were grandparents in the classes, there were single dads in the classes, there were um, couples struggling with fertility, there were um, just people who wanted to add to their family. And it was such a diverse group of people, but all with the same objective of adding to their family. Yeah. Um, And it was just such a wonderful experience. Now, were you in Arizona? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this was all in Arizona. All of our adoptions are in Arizona. Okay. Um, So we got we got our license and um, our friends had immediately gotten their first placement and it ended up being a sibling group, which is exactly what she wanted. She, mm-hmm. she always wanted a sibling group. That was what they were going to do. And so they ended up getting a sibling group. And um, we initially had said, we don't want to have a placement unless their rights have already, the parental rights had already been severed because at the time we couldn't imagine having a placement and then having the placement leave our family right Um, we just couldn't envision that and I hear that all the time I hear that all the time it's scary it's so scary and I get it I absolutely get it because we felt that way and we we felt you know I can't have a child place with us and then have them leave us I would be devastated Mm -hmm. that was our viewpoint um, but then we weren't getting any calls. So for like six weeks, we just weren't getting any calls for any children. And our friends had already gotten their placement. Right. What the heck's going on? <laughs> and so <laughs> we decided to do respite. Um, and so respite for people who don't know what that is, that is where other foster families temporarily um, take um, another foster parent's child so they can have a break or a small vacation or, or something like that if they just need some time. And so mm-hmm. we ended up taking this little boy and he was just precious. He was, um, let's say maybe 18 months old. His name was Akari and he was just, I'm going to cry because <laughs> he was just such a beautiful little boy. Yeah. Um, he was just a beautiful little boy and he's kind of what changed everything for us. He, mm-hmm. um, he made us realize that, um, gosh, I don't know why I'm so emotional. <laughs> I tell this story all the time and I don't cry. <laughs> um, but he just made us realize it wasn't about us. Mm-hmm. It was about them. And yeah. that um, we were the grownups. And so we could, we're the ones who could take that burden. We could bear the burden. And that what the kids needed was people who would love. Who yeah. would love them and care about them and pour into them. And we were better equipped and able to bear any loss that might happen. So it turned our, um, our mindset completely around and we said, okay, you know, um, what we need to do is just have some faith here and, you know, 
we changed our minds. We let them know, okay, we'll take any placement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so then immediately we started getting calls every day. Um, we have a child. Are you willing to take the child? Yes. And then for people who aren't aware of kind of how that works mm -hmm. is the call goes out in the morning to all the agencies and um, they look for matches and then the calls go out and you get a call and you say yes, but then it, the placement might've gone to somebody else and then you don't hear anything the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And then you figure, okay, well, they got placed somewhere else. So that happened for about three weeks. And then um, the, the final call came. We have a little baby boy. He's three weeks old. You want it? Absolutely. And um, the same thing, the whole day went by. And then at like 4.45 in the afternoon, we get the call. Do you still want the baby? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we want the baby. <laughs> and so we went and picked him up. And wow. that, was, that was Jacob. And that was our first, um, our first adoption. And so we had him immediately. And um, it was not what we planned. We did not plan for a baby. Um, mm -hmm. We had really no idea that that's what was going to happen. We thought we were mm -hmm. going to have a little boy, not a baby boy. Um, but it ended up being just the best thing, the best thing for our family and yeah. uh, my children and my daughter. And like, she had a complete change of heart and <laughs> was so yeah. excited. And well, babies do change things, you know, oh, when you, yeah. our, our baby, he, he, really change yeah. things and and you just love them you know like you just you but it's also a challenge too when you have a little baby especially when you had kids that were already potty trained yes. <laughs> already going to school yes what what did you guys do to really strengthen your marriage during that time like did you go on dates did you um you know we're pretty we're homebodies we yeah when we want to do something, we want to do something together as a family. So, um, I think the, the most, um, the biggest thing that we had in our lives at that time was our church. And we were, we were very involved in our church, um, and our that support system, that support system. And so that was our date night when we would go mm -hmm. to our home team and, you know, we take the baby and everybody love on the baby. And, mm -hmm. um, so that was our life and it was wonderful it was um you know there were times Kurt's mother was living at that time and she was mm -hmm. with us and um, that was really special too was um to see her around Jacob and develop that relationship with him and um you know initially Jacob's mother was in his life um yeah for for about six months and there was a time where um there was a possibility that Jacob was going to go with um his grandmother, his biological grandmother, mm -hmm. and um, Kurt's mom, she basically declared it. She's like, no, it's not happening. This baby is our baby. This baby is my grandbaby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that worked out. It ended up that um, she wasn't an appropriate placement, and mm -hmm. the mother dropped out of the picture, and 13 months later, Jacob was adopted. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, when, um, when you want to adopt and you know, with foster care, you don't, you don't have to pay anything. Right? right. Right. And, and that can be a huge financial burden when, when you go to adopt someone and they're like, Oh, you need 20, $25,000. And you just think I can't do this. So then what's the other option? 
you know, you can go through foster care, but there's that, that scare of, are they going to be returned back to their parents? Um, because yes, you know, that's what foster care is about is reunification, but when it's not a, a good situation, Mm-hmm. that that child needs a forever family you know that foster care it it allows you to create that forever family for yourself without having to put out the kind of money that you need yeah um through through other adoption agencies right and i think for people who the really the only barrier is finances yeah they need to be aware of that um, we did have to pay a small, we, we had to pay $800 through our agency. And I think that that was just our agency, but that was money that was reimbursed to us after. Yeah. So after the adoption happened, we got that money back. And then there were other small fees, like um, fingerprinting fees that happened, yeah. um, but it was nothing extraordinary. Um, and again, we got that money back. Now I, I live in Tennessee and um, in Tennessee, they, um, they paid for everything. They, they um, cut the check to, uh, the attorney, um, they're the ones that, that paid for the home study. So each state is different in, um, but you, there's also a lot of time that you have to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, oh yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, and every state is different. Every state has their own, um, certifications. Um, yeah. so for Arizona, they do PS map, which is 30 hours. Um, so however many Saturdays that worked out to be, it was a five hour class. So I think it was eight weeks. So for eight weeks, we went to a, a five-hour class. Yeah, um, not all states have that same requirement, but they do have some sort of certification. Right, so there's a time investment as well, and um, you know, time filling out a lot of paperwork. Oh my God, a lot of paperwork. Ton, so much. <laughs> I mean, it's like you bare your soul, yes. and then they come into your home and they inspect your home and they make sure that you know we we had a pool and mm-hmm. have have a pool, and they made us put an alarm on the door so that anytime that door opened, it ding, you know. Yeah. I was like, we have a baby. Right, exactly. And we ha- we ended up, we were running at the time. And so we um, got permission from our landlord to I- install one of those temporary fences. Um, nice. A pole goes in the ground. Yeah. And so that was expense. And it was a big one. It was like $1,400. Wow. Um, but we had to do it. And um, other things like um, cabinets that lock a certain way, mm-hmm. um, little lock boxes for medicines, um, yep. that sort of thing. So there's, you know, a little cost here and there, but it's nothing outrageous. Not, not $25,000. No, or, no, yeah. no. <laughs> and the other thing I wanted to mention before I forget it is that I think that there's a misconception out there that, um, there's a shortage of babies. That's mm-hmm. not true for foster care. It, yeah. It's really not true. It's actually one of the biggest segments that there's a need for is infants because infants are being born and they're either being born with parents who are just not available or have issues or Mm -hmm. have substance abuse or the baby is born with substance in their system. Yeah. Um, So there are a lot of infants um, who need a place or permanent, but there's a, a big need for people who are willing to take infants. So you, you have, um, you got one that was a baby, but how about your other three? Were they also babies or were they toddlers or older? Um, they were all babies, but they're, um, so that was, I would, I would call that part one. Yeah. <laughs> part one of the journey. Cause our journey was, um, was pretty 
pretty extraordinary. I think, I don't think our journey was necessarily like everyone else's journey, but like a lot of people's. So what is common when you adopt um, through foster care is you, you have to realize that the parents are typically in a certain sort of lifestyle. Yeah. That lifestyle, whether that's drugs, whether that's mental illness, whether that's, you know, violence, um, it lends itself to certain irresponsible behaviors and mm-hmm. pregnancies. Um, and so you will likely get a call. You will likely get a call eventually uh, that there's been another sibling that has come into the system. And that's exactly what happened to us. Um, so almost right before Jacob was two, um, or right after he was two, right after, yeah, right after Jacob turned two, we got the phone call. We got the phone call that um, the mom had had a third baby, um, that there was a second baby and a third baby, but they found out because of the third baby. Um, the third baby was three weeks old. There was an older brother, and he was 13 months old, and they had come into the system for the same reason, that the baby had been exposed to um, exposed to drugs and so they asked if if we wanted the babies and absolutely zero hesitation Mm -hmm. others and his brothers deserve to know him and um so we took the babies and it was it was an incredible thing that how it happened and we got so much support um from so many people you know we just put the call out like we're getting two more babies and we don't have (laughs) we don't have coming in days help (laughs) so our community kind of rallied around us and we got cribs we got clothing we got diapers i mean we we got so Mm -hmm. much people were so generous and so kind and yeah Two of my really wonderful friends came over and helped us paint the bedroom and set up the cribs and move furniture out of one room and move mm-hmm. my son downstairs. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just this incredible, incredible coming together of so many people. And, and so we got Jacob's brothers and they were, see, here I go again. <laughs> they were just incredible. Yeah. We love them so much. Um, but it became very clear very quickly that this situation was not going to work out the way that Jacob had. Um, the mother was very, very hostile towards us, and she had had a full 13 months to bond with the second baby, mm-hmm. um, and she was not going to give him up without a fight, mm-hmm. um, and she did. She absolutely fought every step of the way. Um, she made complaints against us. She made allegations against us there was even an investigation because of her allegations um and so this is kind of the cautionary part about um foster adoption um unfounded allegations or allegations in general will happen yeah at some point if you're involved in foster care for any period of time um it's quite likely that you're going to get an allegation and so what you have to understand is that the parents are desperate and um they view you, they may view you as the enemy. Now, not in all circumstances, there are very friendly um, relationships that parents that get it, that understand that you're there to help, that you're there to care for their children until they can figure things out. Um, but in some instances, that's not the case. And that wasn't the case for us. And so, um, you know, my husband's a teacher and something like that could ruin his career. Right, so right. After so many just 
issues with the mom. It seemed like every single week um, there was something that would happen. Um, um, and then the, then the final straw was the allegation. And so there was an investigation. It was determined to be unfounded. And part of that was that I was um, very diligent about keeping records mm-hmm. and taking photographs. Anytime he fell at daycare, anytime like he had very bad eczema, anytime like, you know, we were and he had a flare-up, I would, I would document that. So we documented everything. And so ultimately nothing ever came of those allegations, but we had to make a decision as a family that we have to protect our unit. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that meant that we had to let the babies go. And so we had them from October to almost Easter the following year. Wow. And that was devastating. It absolutely was devastating because during that time, we, we love those children and we still love children and we wonder where they are and Mm -hmm. wonder how they're doing. And, you know, um, my daughter has Facebook stalked the mom. (laughs) 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 I can't ever find her, but she finds her somehow miraculously. Yeah. 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 If We can just catch images of the boys because we love and letting them go was probably like I would top that on the list of one of the most difficult things ever that I've ever experienced in my life it it was like a death and I talk about that it it was it there was a grieving that happened and still happens and Mm -hmm. um it was so hard and so it was that it was that fear that we had felt in the beginning it had actually materialized and Mm -hmm. so um it was so difficult and you know we we went through so much during that time. We lost some friendships during that time because, you know, people don't understand um, Mm -hmm. what that is. And, and people we thought that would be with us during that time of loss, just absent, um, completely absent. And so we lost friendships during that time and we kind of withdrew into ourselves during that time. Mm -hmm. And it was also a time where we were transitioning to move to California. We were just going through so much. It was just a really, really, really hard time. But, you know, we, we started making the plans to move to California and we were going to start our new life. And my husband actually moved to California and um, was staying with friends. So he moved back to California. Yeah. So my husband moved to California. He was staying with friends. He'd gotten a job and I started the process of, you know, the kids were, we wanted the kids to get to summer um, I had some things I had to get done with my business. I had to get it into a place where I could work remotely from California and still run my practice. So I got an apartment in Arizona. He had one in California. And, you know, we started the transition to move. Um, and then we got a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the phone calls. The best laid plans. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And so this time the phone call was, was from my friend Lisa and she was the friend that had gone through the adoption process with Mm -hmm. us. And she's just a beautiful person. And she had always said to us, um, you're going to have more than one baby. She's like, Mm -hmm. I know it. I know you're going to have more, more children in your family. Cause you know, that's what she wanted. And that's Mm -hmm. what she ended up having. They have, um, eight now. Wow. So have two biological and six children. And, wow. and, and that's their life and they're happy and they loved it. But I never, that, that was not our plan. You know, after Jacob, we're like, our family's complete. This was mm-hmm. great. We let our um, license um, go inactive. And, you know, so she called and she's like, you know, there's, um, there's 
my, my caseworker is looking for a family that will take these two little boys that are going to be adopted out. Um, they're in the process of severance and they need a family that will take them. And I thought of you. No. Like, oh, Lisa, you know, <laughs> right now. <laughs> Don't think that that's going to work, but let me talk to Curtis. And so, um, uh, Curtis was here or in Arizona. And, um, so surprisingly he said, well, I mean, let's go, let's go see. And <laughs> you know, once you meet him, you're hook, line and sinker. Exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. So we, we met Aiden first and he was three and a half at the time and just, um, just such a cute little boy. It's just a beautiful boy and so articulate and just so cute. And, um, we met him first and then we went cause they were separated and that was the issue is that, um, their current, their foster families that they were in, were not willing to take them together mm-hmm. and CPS really wanted to take them together. Um, and so then we met and we, we, we went and we met Ezra and he was seven months old and just precious. And, um, and it was great. And, um, then on the ride home, I kind of just looked over at Curtis and I kind of knew already, like he was on board and affirmed that, that he was on board. And so once again, we put the call out, we said, uh, well, we're going to have two more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it, it all worked out. We, you know, we made room for them in my apartment. We got permission to drive back and forth on the weekends to California to be with Curtis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, arranged my schedule so I could have long weekends so that we could be in California four days a week. And we started the process of, of adoption and um, immediately started the process of adoption. Um, we had to renew our license. That was a pain in the butt um, mm-hmm. because that was at the time that um, in Arizona, CPS was being um, overhauled and things were changing because there had been some really big mess ups that had happened. And so they completely had to change things. And um, so they we had a lot more paperwork to do the second time around. Which yeah. Was pain. It was nuts. Um, but we were halfway through the process and um, we got another phone call and um, their biological mother had just had a baby. It was a Wednesday. Wow. Yeah, it was a Wednesday. I got the call and um, said, well, mom is little and she just had another baby and he was just born. Um, do, you, do you want the baby? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> by then things were just a little bit more complicated than before. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> um, but I called Curtis. He was totally on board. And so we said, absolutely. But our foster license had not, uh, had only been, um, for two children and so I couldn't take him immediately so my mm-hmm. friend Lisa she took him she took him for I think a day or two it ended up being a day or two they rushed our license through to get the third um, child added to our license and so he was born on a Wednesday and I picked him up at my friend Lisa's on mm. a Friday and I was in California <laughs> that night oh my with, with a brand new baby yeah yeah <laughs> it was nuts it was nuts. And so he was our last child. So he was our um, child altogether. That's awesome. And, um, that's my little one, Isaiah. And, um, and how old he is he now? Four. Four yeah, years so old. He just turned four. Yeah, he's four. 
and he, I call him my like he he helped mend my heart because when we when we um had to let Jacob's brothers go I had become so attached to the littlest one yeah um, I was his mom you know mm -hmm. I was his mom from from birth and I had mm -hmm. had just such a connection with him and it's not to say that I didn't have connection with all the other children absolutely sure. I love them with all my heart but there was something about that baby that I had had such a connection with and so when Isaiah was born he just he helped that grief kind of work mm -hmm. out and yeah um work through just a lot of issues that we had had or I had had I should say I had had um and so yeah that that's our full journey that's awesome <laughs> now, do you, now that that you are after the adoptions mm -hmm. Um, some, sometimes I, I don't know about you, but, um, depending upon children, um, if you adopt a sibling group or if you uh, adopt children with special needs, sometimes there's a stipend that those children receive after adoption. Right. Um, were you able to receive that? Yes. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So we, we are able to get it for all four children actually. So typically there has to be and this is my understanding, I'm by no means an expert, but my understanding is there has to be some sort of special need to, mm -hmm. to receive the stipend continuously. And, and every year you get a review and um, right. whether or not you've continued to get it. But for all, for at least, um, he was substance exposed. So that's a reason um, because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. You know, when there's six, when eight, because yeah. you just don't know how, um, drugs affects, affect the brain mm -hmm. and the neurological system and all of that. So Jacob receives a stipend because of that. Um, the other three sibling groups is another because mm -hmm. they're, they consider sibling groups at risk. Um, and so then we receive the stipend for the other three, primarily because they're a sibling group, but for two of them, for Ezra and Isaiah, we know for certain that they were substance exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, Aiden, we don't know. Um, he was three and a half yeah um, when he or he was two and a half when he came into the system because he came into the system when Ezra was born substance exposed so yeah so for all of the boys we do get that stipend and mm -hmm. we'll get it until they're 18. it's awesome um, with that we do get some other benefits so we have secondary um, health coverage. So if there's anything that our health coverage doesn't cover, it kicks over to, in California, it's Medi-Cal. In Arizona, it's Access. Mm -hmm. um, so that's another benefit. For some, for some foster children, there's other benefits like um, uh, college expenses. Yeah. I haven't read up on a whole lot of that, but I do know that those, those but are that, that That scholarship's out there. For me, um, you know, uh, our, our four-year-old was exposed to meth, um, and um, he, um, his teeth are very brittle, and mm. he, he, he has speech therapy and developmental therapy and occupational therapy. He was so delayed, mm. and his, um, in Tennessee, it's blue care, and it, it covers all of that. And, well, one day, um, his speech therapist gave him a sucker, and he bit down on it and severed his tooth all the way down to the quick. And he has such a high tolerance to pain. I didn't know that he had broken his tooth. Well, yeah. once I figured it out, um, he had to go to the hospital. He'd be put under. Oh they gosh. had to, you know, like it was it was a huge bill. But because of his insurance, it was paid for. So 
you know, that was one thing that when you're adopting through foster care, that it was such a huge blessing, you know, that, that, you know, we, we love our kids and you want to take care of them um, and you want to be able to financially take care of them. But it's like this, almost like an icing on a, a cake because, right. because it's like, I could, but man, that's a, that would be a huge burden to come. Cause the, the, the nurse told me it was um, about $10,000 for that tooth right. um, because of the anesthesiologist and the hospital uh, room and then the dentist and the dental work and like all of that was so expensive that, you know, you don't know the effects that the drugs and the alcohol are going to have on that child or in the, the, the neglect that they're going to have to have later on. So, you know, it's, it's just a, a blessing to have that um, throughout their life. And, you know, I, for me, we use that stipend um, to, to help our boys have a life that they never would have had, you know, like making right. sure that, that if we want to go do something like, Hey, let's, let's get a membership to the Tennessee Valley railroad museum. And, mm-hmm. and we go on to train train trips. And so I, you know, I spend the money on that to create those memories for those boys. Right. Right. It's a huge benefit. Yeah. Um, we had, we had the similar sort of situation with medical, um, Eden and Jacob both needed um, procedures done. And it was so great to know that we didn't have to worry about getting a bill for whatever wasn't covered. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's totally, totally, totally. It's a huge, huge blessing. Yeah. So now you have your family of six. Yes. Um, what, tell me one thing that you guys like to do as a family, that fun activities that you do that, um, may or may not cost any money. Oh gosh. So uh, we're all about that. <laughs> we, we're all about like, okay, how can we do something for free or uh-huh. as little as possible? And we're very fortunate that we live in, in San Diego. So, um, the beach is one of our favorite. Awesome. Beach is absolutely one of our favorites. Um, and then, um, a lot of the parks where we live have splash pads. Um, Love so splash pads. One. um, and you know, they're usually till open till like October. Um, so we get a, you know, a big stretch of the year that we get to play there. Um, and then another one of our favorite low cost ones is, um, the drive-in movie. So oh, we just load cool idea. And we go get, um, you know, little Caesar $5 pizzas and, um, take those in with us and, you know, chairs and blankets and stuff like that. And then other than that, we're, you know, we're really our homebodies. We like to be at home. We do game nights and, um, we like to spend time with each other. Um, my daughter who's 22 now, she still lives with us and, um, she's such a great help with the kids and that's um, awesome. We just like being together. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to um, give some advice to someone who's looking at uh, foster care or maybe not necessarily advice, but like words of wisdom, like what would you have done differently or what would you have done the same? I think I probably, you know, I don't even want to say that I would have done more research because I might've scared myself off, (laughs) but I do think, you know, I'm never shy about telling people about the hard parts that we experience because Uh, you know, fortunately, even though we did have some really, really hard parts, I know people have had worse hard parts. Um, And then I've known people who have never had anything bad happen at all. 
So I do think that it is important for people to go into exploring a, a foster adoption with eyes wide open and speaking to as many people as possible, but also realize that whatever advice you're being given from someone is through their own lens of experience. And right. so there may be someone who had had just a devastating loss happen or mm-hmm. um, a really awful experience with their CPS or with the, and just understand that that was their experience and not every experience is that way. Um, so talk to as many people as possible. We didn't really talk to a whole lot of people about it. We just kind of just decided to do it and Let's then do it. Got signed up for the class and we did it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were very lucky that we had our friends involved in the process with us, which was really wonderful. Um, it, you know, I really wasn't involved a whole lot, I guess, on Facebook at the time, but I am now a part of like a foster adoption group. And I okay. think what's, probably- what's the name of that foster adoption group? Ooh, what is it? Let me get on my Facebook really quick. Because that connection, that community is so vital. Like when you meet someone that's so similar to you, mm-hmm. um, it's like this instant connection and you're like, you know what I'm going through. You've been there, you've done that. And it, yeah. it is that connection is so, so important. You know, when we were um, going through the foster care um, classes, we, we did it because we thought we were going to uh, get a sibling of our, our daughter. And when that didn't happen, you know, there's, there's disappointment. Mm-hmm. And if you can connect with someone who understands and, yeah. and say like, Hey, we've been there, Let, let's cry together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the one that I'm in, the I'm in, a, I'm in a couple, but the one that is most active is an Arizona group. It's foster parents of Arizona adoption, respite, kinship, and foster parents. Um, and that's the one that I'm in that is the most, most active. And so, um, it, it has the whole spectrum of people. It has people who used to be foster parents, currently are foster parents, parents who have adopted, um, lawyers involved in the process. Um, and so all types of questions are asked there. And so I would say, get connected somehow, get, get connected somehow, whether that's through a Facebook group or a local group or, you know, friends, um, a lot of churches have groups. Mm-hmm. I know that the church that we were involved in in Arizona, they started actually doing the classes there at the church. Wow. Um, that's awesome. Classes. Yeah. So there's just lots of ways to get connected. So I would absolutely get connected. Don't go through the process completely alone. Cause you're going to have questions that may mm-hmm. not be able to am- be answered in your classes. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we, uh, I really appreciate you sharing your story, your adoption story with us. Um, you know, with me, you know, we, we also adopted our two boys through foster care. So mm-hmm. I, I loved hearing other, I love hearing other people's stories about, about their experience because, you know, there are some sad ones, but then there are some successes and, oh, yeah. you know, helping you create that, that the family that, like your plan is not what God's plan is for you. And so as you kind of take steps forward in the darkness, the light starts to illuminate in front of you and it becomes clear. And then you look back and you're like, ah, that was meant to happen. That experience was supposed to happen. And, and I, you know, I, I, I know when I meet people and they say, well, I just don't have the money to come up with it. I mean, this is, that's just so much money. And I, and I just tell them, you know, we paid 2700 for our daughter's private adoption and it was free for our foster care adoption of our two boys. And so it doesn't have to be a ton of money. There are 
ways for you to have that forever family without having to raise so much, so, so many funds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would just also say that even for parents who have just decided that foster adoption is not for them, um, there are ways to adopt privately and get that paid for. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I know, I know a family specifically who struggled with infertility for a really, really long time. And they just had a community of friends that came together that saw that need and that want, and they raised funds for them. And, um, so they, they got their first, um, private adoption paid for through friends and family and loved ones and strangers and, Mm -hmm. um, who were just so kind to them. And, Call, the calls started coming for them too. I mean, it yeah. happens in private adoptions too, because mm-hmm. I think um, people don't understand that sometimes private adoptions, the the parents or the moms are in the same boat as the mm-hmm. foster adoptive moms. Um, mm-hmm. Find in the right placement. Exactly. Um, but they choose to find an agency and say, I don't want my child to go into foster care, but I know I'm not going to be able to take care of my child. Mm-hmm. And so, um, for my friends that um, went that route, they ended up with three children um, through private adoptions. Um, and um, each time people rallied with them to help them pay for the costs. And so there's just so many ways out there if you're open to it. And it's part of just getting information and talking to people. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you again, Wendy. Um, tell me, um, what is your podcast that you have before we sign off today? So our podcast is called House of Fi, Financial Independence for Families, and we're on iTunes and Stitcher. And then um, I have a blog that's called Girl Fi Day, Girl F-I-D-A-Y. And then my co-host, Tamika, she has a blog as well. It's The Reluctant Frugalist. And um, our podcast launched at the beginning of August, and we're getting really, really good results and lots of... um, awesome guests. Um, all of our guests are families, parents, information that'll benefit families and parents. Awesome. It's been great. Well, I will, um, post your links when, when I put this in my blog and this, um, out to the world to, to do podcasts. Um, and so then people can be able to click on your link and also look at your blog and listen to your podcast as well. 